Welcome to Music and the Church, a podcast about thinking bigger in our faith, our ministries, and our churches. I'm Dr. Sarah Bariza, and I'm the Minister of Music at the First Congregational Church of St. Louis. I've been a church musician for almost 20 years, and I hold a PhD from Duke University where I researched Christian congregational music. One of the things I'm really interested in is how our professional backgrounds shape our ministry in the church. And since I do this podcast, I get to talk with all kinds of people about their backgrounds and the work they do in the church, from pastors and musicians to theologians and historians. Today, I'm in conversation with a concert musician, Chelsea Chen. Chelsea is a concert organist. She performs all over the world as a soloist, in duos and with orchestras. She's recorded multiple albums, and she's also a composer. What we're focusing on today is her work as an artist in residence. She's been an artist in residence at Emanuel Presbyterian Church in Manhattan and at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We talk about what this staff position is. It's not quite the same as a regular church musician, but there's certainly some overlap. And we talk about how mutually beneficial this kind of position can be for churches and for musicians. We also discuss how to plan a concert series, something many artists and residents do. And we talk about how she has integrated organ into blended church services. And last but not least, Chelsea is getting married soon. So we talk about the music she has planned for the ceremony. It is always so fun to talk to organists and uh, hear what they plan for their own weddings. When we recorded this conversation, she wasn't sure what piece they would use for the recessional, but since then, they have decided on Durfle's last variation on Vene Creator. If you'd like to get links to Chelsea's work and all the wedding music we talk about, you can go to the show notes at musicandthechurch.com slash 26. Thank you for being on Music in the Church. It's really nice to have you here. I would love if we started off by talking about your compositions. You compose in a really wide range of styles, and I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. So I was trained uh, classically as a, a pianist and then an organist in college. And in college, I dabbled in writing my own pieces. And what I did was I started with pre-existing folk songs from Taiwan, these melodies that are, are popular um, in Taiwan. And I, I wrote an organ piece called Taiwanese Sweet based on three very beautiful folk songs that you can hear if you go and visit that country. And, um, and I, that was my first solo piece. And after that, it went, it went pretty well. And I did a whole project where I, I moved to Taiwan. I, I did a Fulbright scholarship and, and collected a lot of songs and, um, and wrote more pieces, not just for organ, but organ with other instruments, violin, cello, um, for voice and strings in general. So that was, that's where I got started with composition. And then later on, I'm pretty good at arranging things for the organ. So I've taken a lot of popular things such as video game music, Super Mario, to uh, movie music. Yeah, you've done uh, Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars. And I'm trying to think. I've also asked friends to make arrangements for me when I haven't had time to do it, like Phantom of the Opera <laughs> and Zelda, another video game. Oh, nice. Um, so not all of those are my own uh, arrangements, but then I usually end up 
adjusting them to fit the purpose of where I'm performing them. So usually it's in an organ concert. Very rarely I might put it in something in a in church. Actually, my brother wanted Super Mario to be um, in his wedding for the for the for the <laughs> ring bearer, which was a robot that he uses in in his military. That's hilarious. So he had that in actually a wedding so, so <laughs> it does sometimes appear outside of the concert sphere nice. and then i've written some one piece that was a could be played in church or or concert hall that's a, a chorale prelude on a, on a lutheran hymn about about the transfiguration and that was a commission by the american guild of organists oh cool and another time my church in new york commissioned me to write a piece for the 10 year anniversary of the church. Emmanuel Presbyterian was a mm-hmm. church plan of Redeemer in New York City. So for their 10 year anniversary, I wrote a violin and organ piece based on three hymns, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, Alas, and Did My Savior Believe, and uh, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Those are all pretty familiar. The second second one is a, a one that I'd heard only at Redeemer. It's kind of an mm-hmm. Irish, ended up playing this piece at church and also in concert. So that's a bit about what I've written. Cool. I, I didn't realize that about Emmanuel, that it was a church plant. Because you've been the artist in residence at Emmanuel for quite a while. And prior to that, you were the organist. Correct. And yeah. I am still playing the organ for them. It, it Basically, artist in residence is a bit of a catch-all title that can include playing for services. It can also mean putting together concerts for the church it can and it could be organizing at one point i was doing i was coordinating the weekly offertories for the church because it, they don't have a choir or a regular band so they need somebody to coordinate who's going to do music and that's a volunteer basis for the for the offertory mm, yeah uh, so that was one aspect but that later got lopped off into a, a separate job and so artist in residence can mean a lot of things <laughs> it doesn't mean that i actually reside there. <laughs> You're not living in the church. They don't pay for my uh, residence. I wish that were the case. And there are such things actually where churches do have accommodations. They tend to be yeah. old buildings that have, have a parish house or a manse where the priest or the pastor might live and maybe some of the musicians. So it is technically possible, but it's, those are very few and far between those kind of positions. So artist <laughs> residence means just you are an artist that uh, does work for the church in some capacity. And then sometimes, in my case, the church even commissions you to write a piece. And that that is, I think, a probably unique aspect of what churches can do to support artists. Mm, can you tell us more about that? Well, so I, and it doesn't have to be a, 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 a large amount of money that you pay an artist to do something, but paying them anything to write a piece is a sign of support and it actually mm-hmm. gets the artist in my case of uh, me to have a deadline to say i'm going to write this this is the this is the compass i the focus of the piece will be whatever it is hymns or the celebration of the church or mm-hmm. a uh, piece maybe for christmas season or for easter and this piece is going to be five minutes long. There are parameters that you yeah, can Yeah, it's follow. kind of like a pragmatic kind of thing. It really helps. It puts you in a kind of box, a creative box. The composition that needs to follow, and you can't just go off and write a 20-minute piece or, you know, it's not going to be a one-minute thing. So it's helpful. And I wish it happened more often, honestly. It's, it's good. And I, Emmanuel has done that for actually many other people besides me. So... They have, they're not a, they don't have a huge budget, 
So this is only once in a while. It's not even every year, but uh, they have done it. And I think it's, it's a model that, that any church of any size can follow because it doesn't need to be a whole lot of money that you give it. I mean, obviously it's better if you can, you can support um, the artists, but it's something to say, Hey, we care. And we're also interested in what is possible um, for the future of not just church music, but maybe even concert music, because historically, if you go far enough back, like to the time of Bach in the 18th century Germany, this really was a thing where the musicians primarily, the, the music of the world, the classical music that we so love uh, from that era was all supported by the church. Like mm-hmm. it, the church was the main commissioning entity. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, we're not in the same culture now, but it, it doesn't mean the church can't do anything to cult, to make culture for the world. It seems like a lot of, especially like concert uh, organists, tend to have a church job or sometimes a teaching job because like a university professor kind of job because it it gives you a financial stability. It gives you a home base and it gives you that kind of support for your creative endeavors. Definitely. It's, it's so important though, that, that the church continues to cherish and foster the artists uh, within the congregation. And that means I think at a young level, um, kids who are just coming up, it's nice to involve them but also professionals, people who are paid to do this as a career Mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. It should not be looked down upon. I mean, it would be lovely if we could play for free all the time, but then (laughs) it would also be lovely if the doctors of the church would give us free healthcare and the dentist (laughs) free dental. If that were the case, then maybe we could all do it for free. (laughs) And we'd be in a really different economic system. (laughs) So... So that is my argument against people who say that church musicians should all be volunteer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I understand like why some churches have all volunteer musicians because some churches are really just don't have the finances really at all. But but that's not the case for most churches. Well, I don't know about that. I don't I I couldn't I couldn't say but I, I will say that there there's sometimes just an inherent bias for the music bit. Um, not so much in this country, actually. In the U.S., it's pretty good. Oh, you know what? That's that's true. I was thinking. I was thinking in a U.S. Co- context. Right. In Asia, it's interesting. It, it is expected that uh, kind of people, well, within Taiwan, a lot of the musicians would be um, maybe children of pastors. Not always, but mm. it, it it would be kind of a it would just be a volunteer effort. Um, oh, interesting. If they were trained to do it. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in a very small Baptist church and I was the lead pianist for six years, I think. And, you know, I'd get like a hundred bucks at Christmas as like a Christmas gift, but I wasn't paid for this. And I did three services a week in the choir and the soloist and the, but that, but that's also the kind of background that I grew up in where it was just, everyone was volunteers and it was a small church. So yeah, it, it really depends everywhere. everywhere has, they have to make their own decisions. I, I understand that. Yeah. 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 But it's, yeah, I think that it's important to speak to the value of, of the work that we do as a, as a profession and as a, you know, if you want, if people want to have the music, well, then there has to be a financial structure that supports the lives of people making the music because most of us aren't independently wealthy and we need to make a living. That's right. Yeah. One thing that we were talking about in terms of artists and residents is that that has also given you the opportunity to sometimes work with children or work with people who are on a music team at a church, but not um, necessarily familiar with organ or a classical music tradition. Yeah, I was telling you about my experience down in Florida at Coral Ridge Presbyterian, where I also was artist in residence for about four years. 
And uh, in that time, there were a couple of opportunities to show the organ, explain the organ to both kids who were age four or five in their pre-K or kindergarten classes. That, that would be as simple as playing a few little songs and showing them how the organ works with the different stops. But I did almost the same thing for college-age uh, kids who were at Coral Ridge for the summer as interns uh, in the worship music department, meaning that they were coming to work mostly in the contemporary music side of things. A few of them were, for instance, from Liberty University, mm-hmm. other colleges oh, interesting. Who are, um, throughout the, the States, and they might eventually become worship leaders in churches throughout the country. And for them, perhaps they'd never even seen or heard an organ because their church didn't have one. For them, this was a, this was a cool uh, experience to see, see how it functions and understand the sound and how it might be that organ can be integrated with with uh, contemporary music or they might understand better what a traditional service is like those are the advantages of showing people I'm curious like did, have you done done work on the organ where you were working with contemporary musicians yes so oh, what has that been like at Coral Ridge for about three years of my time there this it was a blended Pipe organ with the band, rock band. I call it pipe rock. Like, simul- like was it simultaneously, like both of you playing at the same time? Yes. Or, oh. Yeah. And what would happen is that the organ would be, my organ part might function as a synthesizer, a synth sound. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In section of the pieces, but it would be bumped up. I would be playing brighter than the band, at certain, depending on the song and depending mm-hmm. on the part of the music where, where it made sense like we would do this arrangement of Mighty Fortress is Our God with an intro organ and drums. And I'd be playing full organ with this pattern. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. And the, 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 the drums would be boom, 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 ba Like that's boom, ba And then the organ's playing that. And then as soon as that intro ended, then the other instruments would come in and uh, the organ would just have these flourishes in, in certain places. So that's one way you can do it. I kind of classify contemporary music songs into either big and loud and sort of bright. And then there's, there are the ballads, slower, not necessarily slower, but definitely softer. And with that, I would use some of the specialty sounds on this organ, like the glockenspiel and the kind of the bells, little sounds. Like coloristic. Yeah, they just highlight some of those melodic figures that are at the beginning and the intros and the outros Mm -hmm. that typically um, you find in, in contemporary worship songs. And playing a lot of strings sounds on the organs, different than mm-hmm. what strings would sound like. Live strings, they'd be different. Yeah, yeah. It's a color choice and kind of gives it a little bit more foundation to the sound. It really depends on the space. So yeah, yeah. your deal. You have a really big pipe organ in a very very large room, and it's actually harder for the band to play because it's not that size room with that kind of acoustic is not great for a band that's amplified. It seems like you would have to have a very skilled sound engineer. Yes. To make that work. You do need that. And you need everybody to be on board with it. Like, so some points you have to trust that the sound is loud enough from, from the organ or not, you know, or Mm -hmm. softer. Like you Um, really have to trust what the sound engineer is telling you in terms of balance, I would think. Correct. Yeah. And it was generally never too soft. It was just if it got to be too loud. And that, that would just mean there was too much sound in general in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to watch the decibels once you, especially once you start amplifying. I have to watch the decibels every Sunday because I have pipes like right in front of my face, the great pipes. I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going to ruin my hearing if I do this all the time. 
right. So I'm curious how rehearsals work for that kind of thing. Cause like, you know, this afternoon I'm going to go over to church and I'm going to practice my hymns for Sunday. And you know what, if I want to change something in the middle of the service, I can, you know, I can pull whatever I want, you know, as I'm playing the hymns, cause I'm doing that by myself. But when you're playing with a group, especially a contemporary group, cause I've, pl- I've played with like, you know, church band, you know, three violinists kind of thing right. um, in Baptist churches where they just play along and do whatever they're, they're doing, which I, I, to be clear, I don't recommend doing that, but I've done that before in the past. But for working with a contemporary band, like you really have to rehearse a lot and plan all of this in advance. And then I assume don't deviate from that script. Yeah. So there, uh, there was a chart. Actually, the charts that we used at, at Coral Ridge were very specific. They weren't just a one pager. Like not just the lead sheet. No, they were rhythm charts. Uh, so what it had was all of the exact, like whether it was going to be quarter note beat pattern or eighth notes. So it was clear throughout. The drummer has had it as well. So mm-hmm. verse by verse, you knew where you were in the chart. It was written out like a piece. Mm-hmm. Except the pitches were not there, except for the some areas. It was mostly just rhythm, which mm-hmm. I really of, and I found that to be very good because I, then I didn't feel locked down to something. It was, mm-hmm. there were boards like the mm-hmm. above the bars, but pitches or lines written in except where there was a prescribed melody that was going to be played. Otherwise, mm-hmm. improvised. we would rehearse this generally at 8 a.m. for one hour. We'd go through all it. But to be fair, the band is all, everybody in that band was professional and they all played both jazz rock classical there were, okay there was not a single one that was not paid on the uh okay the, so that's a bit different because I, that's not what i what happens at a manual for instance in, in new mm-hmm. york they they have a small roster of people who are all volunteers mm-hmm. it rotates between piano guitar drums sometimes no drums sometimes mm-hmm. piano guitar bass and generally i can't play the organ with that the, that ensemble because it's not at the same pitch as the piano oh the organ is so low. Like hashtag pipe organ problems. It's too low. And it happens all the time where it's just not yep. possible at yep. 440 where mm-hmm. the piano is attuned. Yep. And that's just yep. a nightmare. So yeah, you choose. You play with either organ or piano, but mm-hmm. not both. Yeah. 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 I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had people come in tuning the piano and being like, well, should I match it to the pipe organ? And I'm like, nope, nope. You better not because it's July. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's unfortunate. I, so I've only been in a couple places where the organ was in perfect tune, and generally those were concert halls where they have it and they have climate control, mm-hmm. just right on. Yeah. Churches don't have that luxury. It's yeah. Too- oh. I was I was so spoiled when I was at Duke University, and I wasn't I was studying musicology there, but I did a lot of organ things, and they have a person on staff whose full time job is maintaining the organs and the harpsichords, and oh, that's a nice place to be. Um, If there was ever a problem, there was a notebook on every single organ. Oh, this note has a problem, and he would it would be fixed the next time you were there. It's great. Exactly right, and every you need that book, but then you also need regular maintenance. You travel quite a bit for your concert. Yeah, that the other definition for me for artists in residence has been well, it's it means that I have a very haphazard schedule where there are some I, I know several months in advance ex- usually what when the concerts are, but that means I have to tell the church, okay, mm-hmm. the Sundays I can't be here, and so we have to plan it out. So, yeah. well, and that's that's part of like the, the flexibility that's implicit in like. The, the term artist in residence is it's expected that you are being an artist elsewhere. 
and that's what has been so helpful. And they've been, they've, they've always supported me. And oh, that's and wonderful. There's never been a, yeah, it, it's worked out really well in this arrangement, but that's it's, great. It's going, to, it's going to change after a couple of months from now because I'm getting married and I'm moving. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Where are you moving to? I'm moving to Switzerland. <laughs> wow. That is so, a big change. So it's a big change and uh, I will still be playing concerts in the States. I'll still be coming back. Mm-hmm. But in terms of playing for a manual, I'm not so sure what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's hard to do from Switzerland. No, that's not going to happen. And I don't know how many Sundays I'll be, I'll be able to return. But surely there will be some. So that, that's the plan. But yeah. that's the bittersweet thing is there's always a little loss whenever you move. What music are you going to do at your wedding? Well, I am going to have a 30-minute organ prelude. <laughs> Are you playing it or is someone I'm else playing not it? Playing oh, good. I was like, that's hard to do in a dress. So maybe you're wearing a dress. To be, to, to, this is quite amusing. I am going to play a concert the day before the wedding as a partly to entertain my out of town family and friends coming to New York. Uh, I was just asked to do something a, a Friday at 1 p.m. lunchtime concert at St. Paul's Chapel, mm-hmm. which is owned by Trinity Wall Street. And it's a, it's a church that has withstood everything from the American Revolution all the way until um, 9-11. Never went wow. down. Survived wow. the fires of wow. 17, whatever it was. I mean, where everything was burned down in lower Manhattan in the late 18th century, it survived. Wow. That's crazy. And it survived the trade center coming down, which was right there. Like, it's a, an amazing story. And, and so now it's a big tourist attraction as well because the firefighters used it as a as a place where they a kind of a resting place and a a recharge place mm-hmm. during during the days following 9-11 and for me personally I, I moved to New York right around or it was just two weeks before 9-11 to go to college and that <laughs> that event was so um it was it was so shattering for for everybody in New York mm-hmm. City and I mm-hmm. felt like if being there made me think I was a part of it in a way, a, a part of this family that was shattered in that mm-hmm. event. And yet that church standing there has um, given a lot of people hope and they have a new organ uh, as of this, this spring, they, they um, got a completely new organ to replace an organ that had already been worked on that had had damage from nine 11, mm-hmm. all the, all the buildings there got uh, so much soot and dust basically ruined the pipe organ at the main trinity wall street and that that church's building is fine is getting renovated right now and is also going to get a new organ so the the organ in saint paul's though it will be um i'm going to do a cello and organ concert uh for that friday program and Mm -hmm. it will be all the music off of a cd i just released with the cellist in july oh wonderful I'll, I'll link so, to that CD in the show notes. It's called Explorations. It's a really great CD. I, I highly recommend it because we we started with a cello organ piece originally for that instrumentation. And then I found a lot of other, both of us found things that would work for cello and organ. And that's what the CD is. It's got stuff like Beethoven, but it also has contemporary things by Ola Yelo and my own Taiwanese folk songs. And it's, it's, it's really a beautiful um collection of, of, of things and so that guy Joe Lee his uh, he's my duo partner he's going to perform at the wedding going back to the wedding mm-hmm. the, uh, not prelude the wedding ceremony is mm-hmm. so the the organist for the wedding will be Thomas Murray who was mm-hmm. my teacher from Yale 
Cool. And then Joe will play cello uh, and organ. The order of music is not completely set yet, mm-hmm. uh, but we're hoping to do an arrangement of Borodin Nocturne, cello and organ. And then my friends will sing Mozart, um, Laudate Dominum with organ and cello, uh, mm-hmm. obligato cello. <laughs> and then um, in terms of the hymns, we're definitely going to choose one hymn, Let Us Love and Sing and Wonder. Mm. Um, and that's not typically, it's, it's in the Trinity hymnal. Okay. Um, beautiful hymn, Let Us Love mm. and Wonder. And both my fiance and I love, love like very powerful hymns that have intense lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a John Newton um, uh, text. Uh-huh. And it's it's a beautiful text and and the hymn tune is great it's going to be glorious because the church we're getting married at is saint thomas uh episcopal church mm-hmm. on yeah 53rd street it's in midtown and they have a incredible new organ as well that's that's going to be finished just a week before the wedding they're doing a big dedication so that organ is going to wail away is my yeah perfect timing and yes and i the processional i'm not so sure yet for myself what it will be, but I'm, I'm leaning towards a solo piece by C.S. Lang called um, Fanfare. Oh. And uh, it's, it's, a great, it's a great piece because it's actually a minute and a half long. So it's oh, the, that's, that's fabulous. It's not an excerpt. It's a piece. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that, that, that's the length of it. Yeah. Is, is always difficult because of the, uh, having to make cuts in strange places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I can avoid cuts, that's, 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 yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're thinking like a musician. Like, mm-hmm. to be the whole darn piece. <laughs> yeah, that's, those, those are my requirements. <laughs> uh, yeah, wedding stuff. So music is fun, though. I know that yeah. the, the, the musicians involved will be terrific. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And the instrument is really great. Yeah. So. I always think there's something special about a musician's wedding because there's so much thought put into the music at the wedding and it's just it can be really beautiful and right like it, it is you know for most people a religious service and it's also like a really important social function but it's also like oh I get to hear this gorgeous music how nice exactly <laughs> Elliot my fiance wants to do more he, he's like can we have another solo can we do something from the Handel's Messiah uh, <laughs> anything is possible if we want to stand there we can want to keep standing there <laughs> that's great that's great oh, uh One thing that I had on here was like creative vision. And I, I don't know if that's actually relevant for, for the kind of artist in residence things that you've been doing. Like I'm thinking like in terms of like administering a concert series kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that's like, is that particularly relevant? Well, let's see. It, not so much at Emanuel because we don't have the budget for a full on concert series. At Coral Ridge, they have a separate budget for, for their concert series. They raise money specifically mm-hmm. for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. And I got to to run that for about three years. And it was, it was really interesting to be on the side of planning it rather than, yeah. I did play some of the concerts, but mm-hmm. it's much, much more challenging when you're on this end of um, presenting because you have to worry about how many people are going to come. Are the programs printed beautifully? Was the advertising as much as it could have been? Just, you know, do you sell tickets? Do you not sell tickets? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you raise money? There's a lot of aspects to that job. 
as an administrator of a concert series. What are some things that you would tell someone who's thinking about starting a concert series or is maybe at a, you know, some churches will have like one or two concerts and want to expand. Like what are some things that you would want people to know? Hey, think about this. You have to start with a vision of what you have to start with a vision of what is, what is the purpose of the concert series and what kind of music are you hoping to present? So uh, at Coral Ridge, for instance, they division the that we drafted alongside the pastor uh, for worship was to have a series that reflected the diversity of the church. Mm-hmm. And that meant not just classical uh, concerts, but a few jazz concerts and maybe even a contemporary artist coming in. Mm-hmm. And that was actually, that was a great vision in actuality when you're fundraising for this, it can be difficult if you have such a diverse thing because there'll be people who really want to support only one event versus mm-hmm. the whole series. It seems so like it'll have- be hard to build an audience base because people think, oh, I like to go to the concert series at St. Thomas because right. I like, and, and so like in, in their mind, it's like a particular kind of thing that they're going to get. Yes. And so I would say that that is probably the easier route is to have one focus and say, hey, mm-hmm. here's what we do we do this really well and that's what we're going to stick to. And, and mm-hmm. St. Thomas does classical music just beautifully and mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I guess where we were at that time at Coral Ridge, it made sense to have a, a more mixed mixed bag, but it's true. Now I think that they've actually shifted it towards a very much more classical um, basis and that's fine. And that that's probably more manageable for what they're trying to achieve. And I, I started so based on my own connections, just trying to think of people who would be great, great fit, a uh, great fit for the series, both as artists and as people, like mm-hmm. they would enjoy the experience of performing in the church, whether or not they were Christians. Yeah, I, I, I always was, that's where I started was with who would I want to invite to this series and, and what would they bring? And, and then is there a theme that could connect all of these people? Like across the program year? Yeah, I think, of course, there's this question of the budget. And uh, if, say, the budget is, I don't know, $5,000 a year, maybe you can only mm-hmm. put on a couple of concerts. So that's mm-hmm. it. If the budget is, is 10000 maybe you could think of doing three or four. It depends on how big you're talking, though. Yeah. I was thinking of, you know, either soloists or duos. I wasn't thinking about putting on the Gettys. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Gettys, you need a lot more funds. And you probably need funding just for that one. One of, one of my colleagues told me about putting on the Gettys and he was very proud that they didn't spend more than they did on other concerts. And he's like, it all worked out. <laughs> right. Well, and the Gettys have a huge following. So, you yeah. Know. Oh yeah. So they, I mean, they, they sold tickets for that. Those are all considerations, but if you have a pipe organ, goodness. And if it's in good, if it's in a really good condition, that's something you should highlight. And mm-hmm. for Ridge, yeah, they have to have organ concerts. Oh, yeah. But I've, I've seen some churches almost make their organ recital series separate from another concert series, mm-hmm. like, because they're targeting a very specific subset, I think, with the kind of concerts that they do for the, like, for organ recitals. Right. I, I think it doesn't have to be that way, honestly. Mm-hmm. If the rest of the concert series is classical, why would you not just have your organ concert in the middle of all the rest of them? Because yeah. really great music is great music. So if you're bringing in a really great organist who knows what they're doing, that should be as good as any mm-hmm. piano concert or violin concert. I, I guess I'm thinking like some churches will have like, well, we do an organ recital the first Sunday of the month at 2 p.m. 
always. And it's just like this continuous thing. And then they have like a, an outside artist or some somebody. Well, I, I again, I think putting it on a concert series with other concerts kind of, it elevates the status of the organ as not just a sideshow. Yeah. Something that is, um, I encourage churches to do it this way because it doesn't need to be its own world. I think it should, it really belongs with the rest of, it, of the instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I'm in that direction. And it doesn't mean you cannot also do a special organ series, I suppose. But I think that I really think a church concert series, if it's a classical concert series and they want to do mm-hmm. it this way uh, and they have an organ, then that should be that should be one of the events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe not every year, but, you know, for most most seasons, you might want to do that. So have we covered the kinds of things that you want to talk about? There's one point that I really appreciated from Pastor Zach Hicks, who actually hired me when when I was down at Coral Ridge. He really made an emphasis on pastoring the musicians within the congregation. So it wasn't I was employed there as a as an organist, but Mm -hmm. we really spent time talking about like my spiritual life and all of the all the aspects of my life that uh, they were all important and it and it Mm -hmm. would all come together. So. For me, as a person that felt somewhat rootless traveling between churches and doing a lot of outside events, I appreciated his support. Also, my pastor in New York, uh, Charlie Drew, who mm-hmm. um, will be performing the, or who will do the homily at the wedding, mm-hmm. uh, he, he did this too, where he would check in uh, at least a couple times a year where we would sit down and have coffee outside of church. And it would not be about specific things w- regarding the church music maybe we would talk about that mm-hmm. but we talk about a lot of other things that are going on in life and that was so helpful to me yeah. uh, as a person and I I recommend that to pastors if they're not already doing it something they should do yeah. they should yeah. because that generates trust and and also it's really helped me grow in my faith but as a person in so many ways that's something I'm I'll, I'll never uh, maybe maybe one of my favorite aspects of if not my most favorite thing that that came out of working at Coral Ridge, because that's how I also got acquainted with some of the other people on the music team, because he mm-hmm. fostered that, that community. Yeah. It was not like, oh, she's doing her thing in the organ, and no, we don't, we don't come together. Mm-hmm. We, the sound engineer, the, the other um, wonderful worship leader, song singer, songwriter, who became one of my best friends, she was in those meetings, and we got together outside of church. But it takes leadership. Someone needs to spearhead mm-hmm. that. I'm really intentional leadership. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this um, this reminds me. I've been doing this all summer. Is having coffee with all the people in my choir and handbell group. So basically, all the adults who participate in the music program at this at the church where I'm working. And it has been just wonderful to be like, oh, let's sit for an hour and just like talk about whatever. And I've been doing that in part because. I'm new to the place and it's kind of weird coming in the summer because you don't really get to talk to people that much because they aren't necessarily there. Or they're not there for, reg- for a regular choir rehearsal. There's also just been like a wonderful ministry minded kind of thing to do. It's like, I just want to connect with you as a person. Yeah, that matters. And then them showing up at my events coming, you know, outside of church completely, he would go to the concerts of, um, or the shows of the, uh, of the drummer who was mm-hmm. In other venues around town he would come to some of my concerts and then just send me a text message asking me how I was on the road knowing when I had to have an event that is so meaningful yeah, yeah. wow that's really pastoral and caring 
It has been so lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for talking with us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks to Chelsea Chen for this conversation today. You can find links to the resources we mentioned at musicandthechurch.com slash 26. You can get in touch by going to musicandthechurch.com or emailing me at musicandthechurch at gmail.com. I'm Sarah Bariza, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Music and the Church.